All right. Ready? Yep. Hey, this is Mike, and this is Give You the Business Podcast, and today I'm here with a special guest, John with ABI Multifamily. John, how are you doing today? Oh, it's great. It's a Friday. So Friday, nice yeah. Yeah, it's very nice, very nice. you have anything planned for the weekend? No, we're still in quarantine, and we're in a curfew, so you can't do anything. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Another quiet weekend in Phoenix. Yeah, I think I run out of, out of home projects, so I nice. got to start inventing some new ones. Nice, nice. Uh, well, tell me about yourself, John. Uh, where are you from originally? Well, I, I grew up in a small town in New York. Okay. Um, the claim to fame of the town I grew up in is that uh, it was the town where the legend of Sleepy Hollow took place. Mm, wow. So I grew up in uh, Sleepy Hollow, New York. Okay. So that was pretty cool. Um, but small town, graduating class of high school, 160 kids. Wow. Yeah. Really small. I know, compared to what we have here in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, 160 kids are real small. Okay. Um, just outside of New York City, so a lot of I spent a lot of time in New York City. Spent a nice. lot of time upstate New York. We had woods in our backyard, but nice. uh, you hop on a train and you're in New York City in thirty in twenty minutes. So Out there getting good. in trouble in New York too, or? Well, I mean, it, you know, it was a great experience. You're close yeah. enough to enjoy it, but okay. far enough away not to have to deal with it all the time. So yeah, it was a, it was a good thing. Okay, nice, nice. And uh, what was? Uh, College, like, I, I mean, did you attend college in New York just after there? Yeah, so I went to, <clears throat> I, I, I'm a first generation American, which means wow. I'm the first one of my, uh, uh, my father wasn't born here. I was born here. My father and mother weren't. Yes. And my dad's Polish. My mother's Hungarian. Okay. Um, makes for a really interesting household. Yeah. My mom's very, very hot, hot and passionate. My dad is uh, hardworking and practical. Ah, <laughs> so, okay. Uh, and. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, worked my tail off on everything I did. I've, I've always, I don't think there's a time I didn't, I wasn't working or doing something. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking the other day about how the conversation with my kids now is, I want them to work hard. I want, yeah. and they're very appreciative of what they have. But I don't want them to work at the same level I have. Mm-hmm. I did where I had to, I could, I, I was in sports in high school. Okay. But there were a couple times I skipped. I didn't do winter track, for example, because yeah. I was like, you know what, I've got to, I've got to, you know, keep this job to pay for insurance for my car, uh, and I've got to okay. keep this job to pay for gas for the car and yeah. things like that. So, yeah, I, I, I we, um, my dad worked really hard, my family worked really hard. We, um, we grew up in a small town, so we had a lot of, lot of opportunities. Okay. And a lot of the people I grew up with did really interesting things, and I grew up in that, in a cool neighborhood where. There were a lot of commuters in New York City, so okay. interesting people that, that ran companies in New York City. Never, Some of them were around, some of them weren't, Yeah, but I got to see how they interacted with their kids and okay. good family life mix. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, I always, I always worked hard. Everything from, as a kid, having a paper route and starting off with, I don't know, maybe 20 houses on a small paper route, nice. and then within a couple of years having... But like 150, 200 papers, which was a big wow. route back then. Yeah. About <laughs> as much a as a dope. bicycle can hold. I had, I had a bicycle that had, it was just my paper out bicycle, and it had racks or baskets all around it. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was hard that work. That was just yeah. for that. But, so we did that. Then I, I got a, I, my favorite job as a kid was I got a job working for the local hardware store in town. Okay. And that was kind of cool because you got to know everybody in town, and the local hardware store. It's kind of like the local barbershop. Yeah. <clears throat> it's where everybody gets to know each other. Okay, okay. And people come in on a weekend just to piddle around and 
and there were some cool old guys there that worked with me that knew we had to fix everything and were oh, been sure. around forever and it was just it was just a cool place and we'd always uh, I learned a lot there okay um, did you apply those skills later on and every day every day okay. yeah there's yeah. always something that I, I something I forgot that I learned and then nice fixing something or doing something or understanding something and then um, and watching the, the, the my boss who owned the Dolma Harder store how yeah. he built that and grew it and yeah uh, he was he was a, he was a good mentor um, <clears throat> but then my father my father ended up uh, well he, he my father worked up the ranks for what he did mm -hmm. uh, which was he was a timekeeper at a General Motors assembly plant in our town okay and then all the way through the point where he retired where he wasn't the top guy at the, at the comp, but he was he was the head of personnel. Nice. The head, he was the director of personnel for, and he, they had, I think at the point when he retired, five thousand people worked at that plant. Wow. I think it was the largest employer in the in the state of Arizona, a private employer in the state of Arizona, or oh. sorry, of New York at the time. Okay. And um, yeah, it was interesting because unions and strikes and just so many yeah. good people. And when times are good. They were hiring like crazy. My dad right. was like the guy to know because he'd always get people jobs. And then it was nice. when things fell apart and there's strikes and craziness and the mm -hmm. auto industry was down. It was, <clears throat> you know, it was tough times in the whole town. Yeah. You'd see like restaurants and bars shut down because yeah. it was tough. But yeah, my dad taught me a lot about that stuff. And I worked, there was, there were times in my, um, going and going into my senior year of high school, my summer of my senior year where I was, let me see, I worked at the hardware store on weekends, okay. in the afternoons. Um, here, I'll back up. <clears throat> and I'd work the General Motors plant. I'd have to be up at four in the morning, be on the line. Uh, I was driving a forklift that could lift 40 t 14 tons or something like that. It was Jeez. a massive forklift with the stuff I had to move around mm -hmm. all day long in an assembly plant. Um, and I can't believe they let us do that. Yeah. <laughs> They're basically <laughs> like, that's a truck. Here's what you gotta do. You gotta unload all these rail cars and feed the assembly line. No certification <clears throat> or anything? Uh, I mean, they kind of helped a bit, but it was yeah. it wasn't anything more formal. It was figure it out and move quickly because if you stop the line, it's a hundred thousand dollars a minute or something like that for oh, the assembly line man. to stop. <laughs> so be there, be up at four, be on the line, mm -hmm. be, be checked in by five. You know the line starts up sometime between five and, and five thirty in the morning. Okay. What I did feeding the line, you had to be ahead, you'd be ready ahead of time. Yeah. And we were they're running three shifts, so when I showed up, the guy that was using my fork, the forklift I was going to use, was just finishing his shift. Yeah. And <clears throat> there was a short break between when the new line took over, so I had to get nice. the forklift, the battery, I had to be all ready and feed the line. So I did that during the day. Usually I get off work around two thirty or so, depending okay. if we had overtime. Yeah, I'd, I'd work till about two thirty, and then uh, I'd work at the hardware store okay. during the week. Uh, oh. So I get off two thirty, work, get home two jobs, three thirty. Wow. Work at the hardware store till seven o'clock at night when they close, okay. just, and then and then go home and then start all over again. How long did you do that? That was the whole summer. So the whole that, summer, okay. But that was then on weekends, I get up at the same time. I get up at five in the morning. Yeah. <clears throat> go to the go to a golf course that was down that was a few miles away, caddy. Uh -huh. um, oh man. And so let me explain New York golf courses. Yeah. They're uh, <laughs> they're they're nothing but hills. So wow. I was carrying two golf two either one or two golf bags at a time. Uh huh. And sometimes doing two loops. So I do an eighteen holes with a group of guy with four guys. Carrying two golf bags for two of them, and then sometimes doing a second one after that. Mm -hmm. And then when I got done, race over to the to the hardware store again at work. Oh, that man. was Saturday Sunday. So basically, I was working three three full time jobs. Yeah, 
But it was good. Build, yeah. build character and Absolutely. then put money away for college and I was able to, to go to school. So yeah. Um, and then when I went to college, uh, I went to my first year was in I got into Northeastern University in Boston. Okay. And that was a lot of fun. That's a culture um, change though too, right? No, not <clears throat> from upstate not really. to it Boston. Was, it, we, I wasn't that far upstate. Okay. To me, the city okay. was was I you know I, I spent a lot of time in New York City. I gotcha. And okay. it wasn't that big of a deal for me. Um, probably the only big deal was just was living there full time. Mm, in a dorm. Yeah. In well, an apartment building basically. Okay. Five story apartment building. Nice. Right off of uh, Mass Mass Ave in Boston, and you know, twenty four hours a day, there's taxi cabs, horns yeah. blaring fire engines. <laughs> so the first week it was getting used to that. It wasn't cricket. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear crickets. You heard that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the rest of it was just fun. Uh, but then I got tired of that after the first year of school there. It was way too cold. Boston. Oh, yeah. Boston's a great city. But man, talk about cold weather. Yeah. Um, so and I was also an engineering major and I okay. didn't really feel it. I spent okay. the second summer at um, the second summer from General Motors when I was working there with my dad. I started working as an intern in the engineering department and doing what I was ex- going to be doing when I graduated college. Yeah. And I was like, oh. forget this, I'm out of here. Huh? And it was, it was, you know, what, yeah, I mean, not many people can have the foresight to make a change, but I just mm-hmm. was like, you know what, if I don't want to be stuck in this job. Yeah. And, and the, the good thing was I got to see everybody in this assembly plant from, and so my grandfathers had worked there, my yeah. dad worked there, my mom worked there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I worked there, my brothers ended up working there, I had some cousins that were there. A lot of friends. Nice. But I got to see the people that were there that spent their whole lives working there. Yeah. And, and you go, all right. And they would hate, some guys hated their job. They showed up every day and they were just angry. And you go, man, and this is like, ni- this is mid-1980s. Yeah. And they're making 25 bucks an hour back there. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and and tw- uh, some of these guys making 25 bucks an hour, high school education maybe. Yeah. And they were just angry. And you're like, what is going on? And you sit down with these guys and they go, they hated their job, mm. and, I would, and I, so I remember looking at them, going, "You know what? I'm going to do what I love. Yeah, I'm do something more that I love, because if I don't, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy that shows up every day, and is pissed because he's got to pay a house mortgage. Yep, pay for education for his kids, put food on the table, but hates what he does. Yeah, I'm like that doesn't work. No so, way. Mm-mm. Yeah, so that was that. That was a big awakening for me, seeing that going on in the General Motors plant. Uh, and there are plenty of people that love their jobs. Yeah. But there was just those people that you said, do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I worked there. Spent the su- the second summer working as a in, in, in more of an engineering capacity. Okay. Realized it was not me. Yeah. And um, there are some guys that are brilliant engineers. But mm-hmm. just for me to be um, a, a tool, like yes. saying, you fit this position. You show up every day and you do this and then you go home. Yeah. It didn't work. No. There was no magic in it, and every once in a while you got to do something cool or fix something or find some or do something amazing. Mm-hmm. But it was so rare. Yeah. And um, to me, that's not. It wasn't driving me. So, I came back home from um, my my last part of the summer and said, you know, I'm not going back to Boston. Yeah. And I spent took a semester off, and I was like, I'm just going to build up some money. Nice. Work my butt off again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> worked worked as a as a um, Worked at the hardware store, worked, did some other side things, but also worked as a, a security guard at the General Motors plant. Okay. Just nice. said, I'll, I'll just do this. And I picked up reading and I did all, 
really kind of worked on myself, went to the gym a lot. Do you remember some of the books you were reading at that time? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm probably the only kid I know that got through high school without reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and that's not totally true. But if it, for yeah. the most part, I got through without reading the full book. Mm-hmm. But sitting there at the guard shack at the edge of this big parking lot every day out at this General Motors plant. Yeah. Um, especially because I was a young guy and I got I wanted to work second or third shift because you got bigger pay. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I always took everybody else's extra shifts, mm-hmm. which means I got double time and sometimes triple time. So it was, it was a good good way to, to work. But I had, there's nothing really to do at yeah. 11 o'clock at night when the shift, the second shift is running yep. and everybody's in the plant and there's nothing happening at the gate. Yeah. So, yeah, I read a lot of books. I would just go to the library. Um, everything from uh, Stephen King, a whole bunch of Stephen nice. King books, which was fun. And intertwined with um, educational books like uh, what's the one that uh, Think and Grow Rich? Oh, absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, Cyber Cybernetics. All these other okay. books about how to re- how to work on yourself. Yeah. And I just kind of picked those up and intertwined them. Um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I remember reading that. Okay. And that was that was a book at the time that people were reading, and I picked it up. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I that's that was my thing. I just read. Nice. I wish we had podcasts. I wish we right? had audio books. Yeah. <clears throat> I would have listened to those things all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't. I I didn't have um, a lot to do, but I had uh, I had plenty of time to, to do things that nice. were not work related. Yeah, and then decided I was going to not go back to the Northeastern University. Mm-hmm. Going to go somewhere else, and uh, Arizona State was the place I wanted to go. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I transferred out here, and uh, was that sh- like twenty twenty one age? No, I was. That was probably, yeah, I guess twenty. Twenty. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. I was thinking maybe I was I was a young I, I was a younger student, so I think I was it was either nineteen or twenty. And I okay. transferred out to um, to Arizona, hopped on a, on a plane and flew out here in in January. Oh yeah. Of, I don't know if it was it must have been nineteen eighty eight, January of eighty eight. Flew out here, and uh, totally loved it. Yeah. Fit right in. Was it a party school back then too? Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't it. I mean, okay. it, actually, I think it, back then it was actually ranked like Playboy magazines number yep. one party school. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it the reason why I loved it was because it was such a big school and so yeah. many kids from everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was warm all the time, um, and I wasn't in, except for when I got there. You yeah. weren't in school when it was so hot. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. summertime was is obviously unbearable sometimes in yeah. Arizona, especially <laughs> when you're not used to that heat. Definitely, but. Um, once the weather cooled down, it was just so many cool things to do. So, you know, going to Mexico, driving on Rocky Point, yep. driving okay. up to Flagstaff and going skiing, mm-hmm. hiking. Um, you didn't have to have a lot to do a lot, and I like that. Definitely. So, yeah, we, and, and in fact, my, my brothers, one of my brothers moved out here. He lives here now. My parents nice. are out here. Aunts and uncles have all come out here. Yeah. Um, and it's worked out really well. But that, that move was, uh, you know, coming from a small town, mm-hmm. so many of my friends were like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Yeah. You just, you just <laughs> like, out left. of the blue, yeah. hopped on a plane and flew to Arizona, and you're going to go to school out there, and you're going to, like, I'm like, yeah. yeah and they were like, holy cow. Yeah. To them, it was, it, was, it was a huge move to do that, um, especially when I was like, I'm probably not coming back very often. So. Did they feel betrayed or like you left them behind? No, 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 not that. They, okay. were, they, they thought it was just, they, I mean, people where I grew up in the towns I grew up in had real strong networks of family. Uh-huh. Um, and for me to go leave... Yes. That and and say, look, I'm I just not going to be able to afford to fly back and forth all the time. I'll call my parents when I can, and I'll stay in, in contact with family. 
but they're like, how, how do you do that? How do you yeah. go that far away? Uh-huh. Like I get it, you can go to Boston, but you can come back. You come back on the train all the time. You can be back on weekends. Yeah. But to go to Arizona, that was like, holy cow! Mm-hmm. Like you just went to the moon. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that that it wasn't betrayal. It was it was, holy cow! I can't believe you did that. So yeah, yeah that was that worked out really well. And I it, I put myself through high school. I mean, nice. through college after high school. Nice. I was always working, um, always doing something. Lived in a house or lived in in apartments at around ASU with nice, uh, you know, a two, a two bedroom apartment fits four guys. No problem. Absolutely, yeah. yeah there was no <laughs> there's no shame in that. We you know, mm-hmm. we had we had four guys and I think you know rent was maybe six hundred bucks a month for yep. for a nice two bedroom and then but we split four, it four guys split it up and yep. we keep air conditioning up as high as we could and so, as long as we can bear it and yep. only run <laughs> only run the dishwasher late at night and yep. all those things to cut expenses and I had a bicycle and I yep. had, I bought a bicycle from a guy on a uh, that was that was graduating and and then uh, that's how I got around yeah absolutely <laughs> you go to, my roommates and I would take turns or who was going to go to the grocery store and we <laughs> drive back you stuff your backpack with as much stuff as you can and yep. you had Couple bags hanging off the handlebars, and you went. That's how you got. That's how you went grocery shopping. Nice. Yeah. Well, what was uh, next after college? Did you uh, pursue a business or hop right into work? Well, I was I was working through college, mm-hmm. and oh, it had a whole bunch of different jobs. But uh, worked, but started working on getting looking for an internship. Okay. Uh, when I when I was in college, I realized also that if you <clears throat> if you get an internship with a company on something you want to do, it got, yes. you felt like you were already working in that field. Mm-hmm. So it pushed me out of engineering because I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. Okay. And you also got the chance to um, it, to meet and mingle with people and see what it's really going to be like. Yeah. And <clears throat> a little bit of more of a taste of what your what that, that job's going to be. And nice. you can pick, you can see what, which companies you're going to want to work for when you get out of school. So yeah. I, um, I took an in, I took a job, part-time job with a company that was a real estate uh, research company. Okay. And now they're they've become uh, the largest data research company in the country. It's a company wow. called Co- CoStar. But back when I worked for them, they were they were a small company, maybe six people that worked for them. Yeah. <clears throat> with an office in San Diego and in Phoenix. Mm, okay. But now they're gigantic. Um, did that. Was okay. Yeah. It was all data and research and, and researching property sales. Then, because of that, got a job working for a, a real estate broker in this company in this market. Okay. Uh, now this was like 1990. Yeah. In 1990 in Phoenix was like the. I mean, we had a bad recession this last 10 years ago. Uh huh. But 1990 in Phoenix, was it bad, was huh? wiped out. I mean, there was people had nothing. It was yeah. it was horrific. Mean, we had gone from a strong 1980s to like a. And the end of the world out here. So <laughs> I went to go work for real estate brokers then, and um, they all drove Mercedes and really nice cars yeah. and nice suits. Uh-huh. And I worked my, my tail off after school, and I bartended after that, and I was always working different jobs. But I remember the after a few weeks of working as, a, as an assistant to a real estate broker in commercial real estate, I started realizing that, yeah, he had a Mercedes, but the convertible top was ripped and the tires bald. Ah, and shit. I was realizing the heat, that suit he had, like the elbows had little holes. holes in. Yep. And I was like, oh, and I finally it was like, I finally realized all these guys, they had made money years, a couple years before that, but now we're like dying. Yep. <clears throat> and the guy hired me because he needed someone to help get all, get him back on his feet and work Definitely. on stuff. And it worked out really well. Yeah. Um, so I worked as an, in, as an intern there 
well going to school, but it didn't pay very much. So I bartended at night also. Okay. Bartending's great. You make great money. Yeah. They feed you. Networking, meet people. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You only need to pick up a couple shifts a week to, to make ends meet if, as long as you're frugal. Yeah. Um, I bought a used wrecked motorcycle and fixed it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, the thing was, the thing was, had the front, when I picked it up, when I went to go buy it, mm-hmm. uh, the front tire and the front forks were in a separate box than the motorcycle. Ah, okay. And, and uh, <laughs> a friend of mine helped me go get it and we put it in the back of his pickup truck and that's, and I came back and I found, went to a motorcycle junkyard in Phoenix and bought the other parts and he put it back together and that was my transportation. So I went bicycle to motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, uh, and then realized that that's going to be tough in Phoenix because it's hot. Yeah. It, it, think, think about the analogy of uh, standing in, on a hot pavement with a hair dryer in your face. That's that's driving a motorcycle in Phoenix, and it was just dangerous. But you know, you're young, you're stupid. So I did that. Nice. And then I bought, um, I sold that and bought a car. But it was a, again, semi wrecked car. But put it yeah. back together, and that was that. And then kept that for a couple of years, but. When I was working as an intern, mm-hmm. um, the manager of that company, it's a national company here, and the manager's somebody I run into once in a while, and I get along well, well with them, but back then, the manager of the company's, <clears throat> I kept on saying I want to become a broker someday and get in this business. Yeah. And he would, you know, he finally looked at me one day when I was graduating college, and he said, nope. Really? He goes, you know what, John, the last three guys we hired that were young guys, that were you know in the office as interns, whether it was company intern or broker interns, yeah, they didn't make it. Wow! <clears throat> and uh, even though I've had a couple of guys come in and tell me how you know how much how many how they appreciate what you're doing and how hard how much you work hard, yeah, he goes, I just can't take a chance on them. I'm not going to do it. I went, wow. I went, wow. Okay. <laughs> how the hell that happened? Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I uh, I remember going home that night, going, all right, well. That won't work. Next day, I went to work at my bartending job, and the manager, one of the managers there, had heard that I was trying to buy at my uh, a small apartment building. Mm-hmm. I was buying a fourplex, and nice. and I was buying it as an owner occupant. So I was going to live in one of the units. Yeah, I was getting a loan on it, and he had heard that, and he was he wasn't too much younger than or older than I was, but he it just got him mad. Yeah, really. So he pulled me aside. He goes, "I heard you." Uh, he goes, "I got a verification thing on your employment." I heard you're buying a, a, a an apartment building. I go, well, it's a little fourplex. I'm buying. A, I'm going live in one unit, fix it up, and I, you know, I've got mm-hmm. a little bit of money left over from from college loans and things. I use my it's for my down payment. Yeah. <clears throat> and you just see him get red in the face. This guy who's working hard <laughs> yeah. as a manager of a restaurant and probably spending, I remember him spending more than he should. But like, going, how did this young kid exactly. go out and do this? Yeah. And um, jealousy there, huh? Yeah. Well, the at the end of the shift. He comes over to me and goes, you know what, you're fired. Oh, and I went, man. What? <clears throat> he, goes, he goes, yep, you're fired. I go, for what? He goes, doesn't matter. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. Then, I'm like, all right, so I've got, I'm graduating from college. I got no, I, I, my job is gone. Um, I was hoping to get into, become a broker. And the guy, the, guy, the manager of, the, of that office said no. Mm-hmm. And then I call my parents and go, hey, I'm going to need some help because I, I think I'm going to get into real estate, but I'm going to go to work for another smaller company. And my parents are like, well, that's all commission, isn't it? I went, yeah. yeah. They went, good luck. Oh, <laughs> I'm going, oh, and, <clears throat> oh, man, it was tough. And, and then I ended up closing escrow on that fourplex. Wow. I don't even get too much into that, but I'll just tell you that yeah. I, I bought that fourplex and had 
used every penny I had to get scrapped together for the rest of the down payment. Nice. <clears throat> but when I went to go uh, walk the property and go and see the unit I was going to move into, yeah, all three of the other tenants had problems and, and told me they probably weren't going to be able to pay rent. Wow. <laughs> and I'm going, you know, I'm going, excellent, yeah. no job, <laughs> no money, just bought this, and now I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. Like, how am I going to even pay the mortgage this next month when it comes up? Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, that kind of stuff, make, it, it teaches you to be resourceful. Definitely. Builds um, character. Yeah. So th- that, that's kind of how it all started out and went to work for a small real estate firm in town okay. um, that had uh, been gutted by the economy. Nice. And a couple of the guys were there. I don't even know. I think they were there because they just didn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. And I showed up and I was a young guy with, and had all the energy and, and yep. vigor oh. and everything else going on. and. Mm-hmm. I knew from watching other guys in the other company that you just you, you came in early, you stayed late, you stayed on the phone, and yep. I um, I had no um, ego about what I was going to work on. I knew I wanted to be in the apartment industry, but yeah, it was all about um, it. I just didn't have a life. I worked gotcha. seven in the morning till ten o'clock at yeah, night. And I, was, you know? and I was either on the phone making phone calls, yep. doing inspections on properties, meeting with owners. Okay. Um, at night, the reason I'd stay up to ten o'clock at night, I was sitting in my home o- in the office, folding flyers and stuffing envelopes to send out, like wait, you know, letters to people that own buildings to see if they'd be interested in buying or selling. Wow! Um, so I'd pour everything I'd made back into postage and envelopes and yeah, um, all, you know, everything you need to do. So <clears throat> that paid off. And the first, right when I would, right when I thought I was like at the end of my rope. Mm-hmm. Use my last couple of dollars on my credit card or whatever it was at that point <laughs> in the first 30 days of being in the business. Again, no, uh, nobody's paying rent in the apartment building I bought, no other side job. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put myself 100% into this. Nice. I, uh, in the first 30 days, I closed escrow on the first building and made 18,000 bucks. $18,000 on a wow. on a sale. And just so people understand, that's a big Back deal. then in the <laughs> '90s, you can do what's called a seller carryback or a yes. wrap mortgage. So, okay, it, it you could cl- you could put a, a deal together uh-huh. in a matter of a week because wow. you didn't have to worry about a bank because you were wrapping a loan or the seller was carrying the financing or whatever was was yep. happening. Not very common nowadays, but it was very common back there. Mm-hmm. So I put together a sale of a small six-unit building, uh-huh. made eighteen thousand dollars, which made eighteen thousand bucks. Basically, it was like. That's yeah, like, that's big. That's like year a year's worth of I, I could live on that for yeah. a year. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so I just was like, great, put that put that money in the bank, just nice. work. In the next year after that, I I I don't I can't remember the exact number, but mm-hmm. year, next year or two after that, I closed 110, 100, or two hundred sales. Wow. Um, and how were you finding those buyers? I was just working. Yeah, just hustling. Yeah, huh? and everybody okay. in the office would just laugh and they go, "Man, he's just." I, I didn't have a social life. I honestly had I completely mm-hmm. given up uh, even hang out with my friends because I just worked all the time. Yeah, seven days a week, twelve hours, fifteen hours a day. Definitely. And um, and uh, it paid off. But I, I I closed. I think it was over two hundred buildings. And in wow, <clears throat> the first two years, the first year alone, I think I did one hundred ten. <laughs> it and it was just phenomenal. And I, the funny thing was, I remember going to the bank with these checks. Um, from my my broker in the office who would give me my portion of the check, and they're handwritten, yeah. you know, for ten thousand, twenty thousand, twenty five thousand, and <clears throat> the bank would always put a hold on it. Yeah, 
And I was like, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> when are you just going to stop putting a hold on the checks? Because like, yep. I wasn't spending anything. I was just building up these mon- this money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it, like, just started little tiny incremental movements. Nice. Lived in that, I lived in the fourplex. Yeah. I got new tenants in the whole building. <laughs> I On weekends, you know, when I wasn't actually in the office, I'd throw on a pair of, you know, shorts and a, and a pair of work boots and nice. fix up units. And I wouldn't put carpet in. I couldn't do that. But everything from paint to fl- putting yeah. the tile carpeting, tile down and vinyl flooring in the kitchens and nice. whatever I had to do. And so that building was, got to the point where it was, I was living in one unit. The other three units were bring, paying rent. Yep. And uh, I figured out how to water leak. So my water bill went from like 400 bucks a month down to like 100 bucks a month. Nice. And I was making money. Yeah. And I was living for free. And then the neighbor next door said, hey, I'm going to sell my building. And I went, I'll buy it. Yeah. And then I bought that one, did the same thing, fixed it up. Um, and at what, what age was this? This uh, is 20s, 20, right? 22, maybe. Wow. Nice. Yeah. And I just fixed things up and, and make it work. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then I started, then I finally bought my first house. Okay. Bought a house that had a guest house in the back in Tempe. Nice. Uh, because I had enough between the the rent and mo- the, the net rental income coming off those first two buildings. Yeah. I was like, all right, I can now jump to buy a house. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the house had a guest house. So the first thing I did, instead of fixing up the house where I was going to live in it, mm-hmm. I fixed up the guest house, found a tenant, and it looked beautiful. But I was living in the, the main house. Yeah. Which was like, I mean, it was bad. The carpet was old shag carpeting. And I remember it had big... Uh, tar footprints yeah. on the on, on through the carpet. Someone had walked <laughs> through the house with tar on their feet. Oh man! And it, and it stunk, and it was just. And friends, you know, people that would come over and go, "Why don't you fix it up?" I go, "Well, I just spent all my money fixing up the guest house." Yeah, and that's paying me rent. And as soon as I get <laughs> so you just a little bit more money, then I can finally start slowly. And I did that. Like yeah. I fixed it up, and I, and then that worked out really well. And then I um, ended up buying. Then the, one of those neighbors on that mm-hmm. street said, you did a great job on it. I'm going to sell my house. Do you want to buy it? I went, yeah. Wow. On that street in Tempe, um, I by the time I was done buying in the neighborhood, I owned almost all the homes on the on no two way. streets right near ASU. I owned- and This um, is in your mid-20s. 40, yeah, 40 homes in that neighborhood. Wow. All rentals, all run and, and took care of them myself and mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know put roofs on them on weekends and did whatever I had to do. Yeah. And then st- and still working my tail off in, in real estate. So all this is going on when I was selling all those buildings. Wow. I was doing all this stuff. So yeah, that that worked out really well. Just a lot of work, and then I started buying a couple small apartment buildings and nice. putting stuff together. Yeah. So it's just it's just never ending, never ending work, never yeah. ending finding a next project to keep me busy. Absolutely. So yeah. did you go off to start a company yourself after that? You know, or well, what the company next? I was the company I was working for was a small real estate company, mm-hmm. and when I when I um, the fir- I was there for two and a half years, and at the end of the two years, w- somewhere after the first year, mm-hmm. they said, "Look, you know, you're fantastic, you're good. We really like to offer you an opportunity t- to be part owner, nice, because we want to incentivize you to stay." And I was like, "Absolutely." Yeah. And there's two other guys that were the owners of the company, and they were, I mean, I was bringing in most of the income anyway, yeah. so they were they gave me a th- um, what we call it an earnout. So they okay. said, "Look, okay. if you stay for another couple of years, we're going to give you w- one third of the company." Uh, ownership, but you got to stay for three for like two and a half more years. Yeah, and then it's that fully vested. I went okay. Yeah, um, about you know within a year of that, I was starting to get itchy to do something else. Yeah, I had had a house, uh, multiple houses now, apartment buildings. Nice, and 
money in the bank and things are going well. And the a friend of mine that I used to work with at that first real estate company called me up and said, hey, I'm, I'm leaving mm-hmm. and I'm starting a national company. And I went, uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> you start a national company. And um, I said, all right, you know what? Let me, let me think about it. Yeah. And uh, I, met, I remember meeting with him. Tell, he was telling me what he was going to do and his whole plan. And I said, I know you well enough. Yeah. I, I think it's possible, but I also well know you well enough. You can kind of be a bit, a bit salesy. So tell yeah. you what. In six months, if you're doing, if you're still in business and you're and you, at you've got your office open and things are going the way you're, you're talking about, it, mm-hmm. I'll come, I'll come work for you. Wow. So, six months later, he called. I stopped in his office, see how things are going. There's some other guys working with him. They had already started building a pretty good reputation, mm-hmm. and I was the third or fourth guy, fourth maybe fourth guy to join with him. Okay. <clears throat> and that comp and we built that company from. The four of us, five of us in a room, mm-hmm. to being a national firm. Um, wow! With I think so in two thousand two thousand eight when okay. I left that yeah. company, uh, they were they we did six billion in sales. <sighs> yeah, and you were an owner. Uh, yeah, but you know what? The market fell apart in two thousand eight. Yeah, absolutely. So that <laughs> that and a nickel will give you would give you would give you a uh, yeah. Uh, you get your cup of soup. <laughs> yeah, no, 2008, it was everything fell apart, and okay. um, I had owned a bunch of stuff, but and right, got got myself in a divorce and all kinds oh, of things yeah. going on. So, yeah. you know, just re, everything got reset. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, that. But we built that up, um, and then my partner sold. We're, we're talking about selling it. Okay. And with all that going on in my life, I said, you know, we've done a great thing. We have offices all over the country. Mm-hmm. We're kicking tail. We're doing everything we need to be doing, but. I don't want to be involved in the company if we're selling it because I also part when you sell the company, yeah. whether you go public or you sell it to, to another company, there's always agreements that <clears throat> you're not, you can't compete. Definitely. Number one, yep. number two, you're you're tied in for a certain period of time that they want the principles to stay there. Yeah, and it's never this, it's never your company anymore. Never. It never runs the same way anymore. So yeah. my, I didn't, I my whole thing was I'm not going to stick around for this. Yeah, and my, my partners there were older. Yeah. Um, and they were they were looking for they they built they worked hard and it was ready for them to start selling. Okay. So I I got I uh, basically retired. I kind of wow. did nothing for. Well, I don't. I've never done nothing. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do what I was doing before. I just started um, doing other side projects and got out of okay. that. Um, spent a lot of time with my kids who are young, so yeah. it was a real good opportunity to do that. Nice. But I realized in two thousand eight that. Um, one of the things that was happening was that there was a ton of foreclosures of homes. Yeah. And I've always been good at fixing them up. Mm, okay. And even though I was in the process of personally also losing all my properties and stuff, mostly because of the divorce and the lawsuits and yeah. stuff that all comes out of something like that at the wrong time, mm-hmm. uh, I was able to start focusing on buying foreclosure homes. Nice. And uh, between 2009 to 2011 ish. Yeah. Um, bought a lot of homes. Now, right. did you use your own equity, or were you going yeah. to banks, or? So originally, I, what I, <clears throat> I just took money I had, uh-huh. cash I had, and would just show up at auctions and buy a, and buy a house. Okay. And then it got to the point where I kind of built the whole system where we had, I had some friends that had left the U.S. and gone back to Europe where mm-hmm. they were from, mm-hmm. and it was an eight-hour difference. Wow. So the cool thing was 
here are some friends of mine that are really good at understanding real estate and yeah. research. What I would, every night at four o'clock, we'd get a list from um, uh, <laughs> companies about what homes were going, what properties are going to foreclosure the next day. Yeah. And it was common. These things are sent out by email. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's a whole list. Some days there's a hundred homes. Sometimes some days there are a thousand homes. Wow. We're going to auction at different times through the day. Yeah. So these, I would forward that list to the, the friend of mine, my partner of mine that was that we're buying homes with. He would take that list and comb through it with a small staff of people he had when he was living in Spain. Yeah. So you'd have two or three people there. He had internet connection, a couple of computers. They get on MLS. They get on Zillow. They get on county websites. Wow. <clears throat> they research you know, all the details about the home. Uh-huh. And then I'd wake up the next morning at 530 in the morning Yeah, and look at my email and there'd be a um, digested list of maybe if there's 500 homes going to auction, maybe there's 15 or 20 that I was going to look at. Wow. And I'd get in my truck and they'd already put together a map for me. Uh, this is before you had yeah. GPS and a lot oh, of stuff yeah. on your phone. I mean, <laughs> I think I still had a, a Blackberry back then. <laughs> and you jump, you'd, and I had a list mm-hmm. and I had all the details of the homes, and I had a map, and I would just get in. I bought a, a couple of old, a uh, couple of used pickup trucks, hop in one of them, drive home, home to home to home to home. Yeah. Look in the windows if I can get in the home if they're open, get in them, mm-hmm. jump over the walls. I mean, these homes were abandoned, most of them. Definitely. <clears throat> and just see what condition they're in, see if there's anything else, and then kind of figure out what I'd pay for them. Yeah. And the guys that worked for my my partner in Europe had already done all the research. We kind of knew the range of what we thought uh, they were worth, and. Okay. and I would just verify what was wrong with it okay. and what we had to do to it. And then <clears throat> starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, the, the first auctions were going on. Nice. So then I'd show up at the first auction and start <laughs> bidding. And then there was another auction at one and there's another auction at two. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I'd show up at all these and bid on it. And if I won the house, won the houses, I that afternoon, by three o'clock, I was meeting my landscaping guy, yeah. my, all the guys that worked for me. I had trailers in my... Uh, <laughs> that I kept at my house that were just full of tools and equipment. Nice. They'd show up, grab a trailer, show up at the different houses. I'd meet them one after another. Yeah. Go through, look at all the home, look at all the homes, tell them what I wanted to have torn out. Okay. What we're keeping, what color to paint it, and then um, go get dinner. Yeah. Take the take some of the guys out to dinner, and then start over again the next morning. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then and and I'm you know during the day between auctions, I'm also looking at the homes that we're we're fixing up and flipping. Uh-huh. So we we were constantly flipping homes. Wow. And it was um, and I kept a lot of guys. You know the, the cool part was, I kept a lot of people employed. So there were That's guys awesome. that worked for me on my some of my apartment buildings or maintenance guys, for mm-hmm. example, that were like done. They were they had nothing else to do. Yeah. Couldn't find jobs, but I was like, hey, come work for me. Yeah. Be my be my my you know main guy for my construction work on these homes. Oh yeah, had a guy that was a painter, had a guy that was an electrician, had a landscape guys, I had plumber guys. Uh, plumber, yeah, plumber, yeah. I mean, plumbing is one of those things. A lot of the guys did. Uh-huh. But okay. even guys that didn't have a lot of skills, they were the first guys that showed up. First thing we did mm-hmm. when we bought a home was open the garage door, threw open the garage door, pulled the trailer in, and there's usually a lot of stuff left over. And the yeah. house people just left, <clears throat> just started filling the trailer up with all the junk, tearing out whatever carpet was bad. You know, cleaning the whole place up, cleaning the backyard up, draining the pool, whatever we had to do. Yeah. And by that first end of that first day, it was already 
the, they, they already made a couple runs to the dump of all the stuff, ah. and it was just you know that whole momentum. So nice. Yeah, we did. We did a lot. We flipped a lot of homes. Now, what was the uh, auction buying process like? Like, how did how did you determine what was a good house and what wasn't? What do you yeah, look for? That was that was so. I mean, it, a lot of it was you just knew the margins. Okay. And but you, if you didn't see the house, mm-hmm. there were. I mean, some people did some horrible things to homes when they got, got <laughs> yeah got foreclosed on them. Um, we never really got stung, but mm-hmm. there were some times. I mean, I bought a house one time at an auction. Mm-hmm. Had seen it the night before, or the, I'm sorry, that morning. Oh yeah. <clears throat> And bought it at auction, and then I heard some chatter from a guy going, "Hey, did you see that house?" I'm like, "Yeah, it looks good." He goes, "Okay," and I'm, and I'm like, "What is he talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> well, so between the time I looked at it, mm-hmm. whenever it was six in the morning to ten, somewhere in there, yeah, and the time that that guy looked at it, the old owner had gotten back in there and taken a sledgehammer through the house. Oh wow! And smashed <laughs> windows, um, smashed tile on the floor, wow. so the uh, smashed countertops. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And we're like, oh. So I showed up at this house. I'm like, oh, no, really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, yeah, so it, that, and we still made money on that, but yeah. it was tough because someone takes a sledgehammer to tile floors. Yeah. And you can't find that tile. Yep. What That's do you it. do? Yeah. Well. <laughs> like, you get this huge tile floor everywhere, and there's, and there's 30 pieces of tile scattered throughout the floor in different areas that are all smashed. Wow. Yeah. So we 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 ended up getting through that and making made made it work, but okay. um, it was it was a process every day. Yeah. And the, the you know the sad part about that was the things that I always saw foreclosures, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, especially because a lot of these were brand were new homes, newer homes I was buying, not older homes. Okay. A lot of them were West Valley, Litchfield Park, Goodyear. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other markets I was in in the west side of town. There were newer homes. There's always nurseries okay. that were well decorated, and you could tell someone yeah. all the care and love into it. And you walk in and you just break your heart. Mm. Second thing you'd see is you know they never would leave the TV. They would never leave <laughs> their favorite easy chair. Yeah, but kids' toys and and clothing. Oh, everywhere, everywhere. And you're going, mm. how did you leave your son's bicycle mm-hmm. and half his toys? But yeah, yeah. So Pictures I, and things like that too. Not not so much of that. But okay, good. I would That's just good. remember. I'd always go what. Why didn't you grab the kids' bicycles? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the um, and the other thing we'd always have uh, dish or satellite boxes. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember those. We, everywhere. I, 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 not kidding. I had at one point in my garage in my house probably a hundred of them stacked up. Wow. Because <laughs> it, because whenever I called dish or this or whatever it was, the other satellite network. Yeah. I'd say, hey, I got this. They go, oh, yeah, just send it back to us. I'm like, I'm not sending it back. In. No. So. I finally got a guy to show up one day and said, look, I got like a hundred of these. Yeah. And they go, we'll just mail it to us. I'm like, I'm not doing that. It's not my deal. I said, I could have just thrown them in the trash. Yeah. And they sent a guy over. Um, like a dump truck? To pick yeah. Well, it was like, it was the satellite dishes plus Cox TV boxes plus oh, something man. else. So diff- different companies would finally start showing up. They would pick up, pick them up for me. But, nice. but other flippers would just say, screw it. I'm throwing it away. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, but yeah, stuff like that. It was just, <clears throat> it was depressing because... Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd see people go through that, but yeah, that was that was an interesting time. So I'd had, I had a whole crew of people that worked for me. We're constantly flipping homes, we're selling them, but that market kind of ran its course. There was a point when the margins disappeared, uh, and some okay. of the large institutional players got involved. And yeah, I was bidding against guys that were that had a lot of institutional money. They're buying everything. They, they they were overpaying. They were overpaying for homes. They said, I don't <laughs> care. Yeah, because I can hold this home for two years, and I'm going. I need uh, this home to be fixed up and, and back on the market in 60 days. Yeah. They were saying, no, we're going to buy these things and sit on it. Yeah. 
So the market got, and, and the, uh, the banks started pushing on their margins a bit. And then we had things happen where they wanted um, 90 days of seasoning. So what, if you bought a that? home, yeah. yeah, you bought a home, you fixed it up, and we did everything right, placed it brand new, mm-hmm. put it on the market, but someone couldn't get a new loan on it for 90 days. Wow. And, and that, then we're carrying and holding this home. Mm-hmm. Now you might think that's not a big deal. Like, well, we'll sit on it, but it, our capital's tied up. Yeah. And I didn't, we weren't borrowing money. It was all our own money. We're, as we're making money, we're putting it back into it. The other thing is a vacant home back then sitting for 90 days, people were breaking into homes. So we had appliances in it. We had everything fixed up. We go sometimes go to these homes. If they were sitting there, we'd head on the market, walk into the house, and someone stole the appliances out of it. Or yeah. someone stole the pool pump out of it. Mm-hmm. Cut the pool pump right out of the back. And you're like, ugh. Because they knew the home was sitting vacant. Mm-hmm. And they assumed that it was going to was a bank foreclosure or something. They didn't realize that yeah. was, you know, someone working their tail off. On. Anyway, long story short was it... The margins and the market changed enough where it just didn't make sense anymore. Gotcha. So I, I got out of that business and um, we had amassed a bunch of homes that were renting and sold them off in bulk and nice. got, out of, got out of it. Okay. And now what brought you to uh, ABI? Well, uh, let me just say I did not want to start another brokerage company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that I didn't like it. It just was at the point where I just wanted to Done. do something else. Yeah. And uh, had spent so many years selling apartment buildings. And I'll give you this number also. I, I don't know what the number is right now, but I tell you that I probably have sold, you know, transacted 1,500 plus multifamily transactions in my wow. career. Um, some buildings multiple times in town here. Okay. But, um, and that's just personally me. That's not even including me as the broker in the office now. Okay. Because last year in Phoenix, we sold 130 buildings. Wow. Um, I didn't personally, but I, but someone might say, well, if I was yeah. a broker of record, I did hundreds. No, I didn't. I personally <laughs> did maybe 10 of those. Okay. Uh, other guys in the office were the other ones. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I just, I didn't want to do it, but there were a few good guys that are here now. My, my partners, Rubax and Alon Schnitzer that were um, kind of bouncing in and out of what they were going to do. And okay. they're, they're, they weren't happy in their companies and there was a yeah. lot of changes in the real estate business in 2011, 12, and some companies that were shutting down, some companies that are growing. And um, they kind of, they, they came to me and said, you know, we, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. And I said, flipping homes, hanging out with my kids, traveling, fly fishing, doing what I want to do, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mountain biking and growing a good beard. And they said, holy cow, John, you were like the dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, how come you're not in this business? I go, well, because there's really not much going on. The banks haven't really foreclosed on the apartment buildings. There's not much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but it's going to start happening. And you were like the guy. Mm-hmm. How come you're not doing this? And I went, yeah. So <clears throat> the, the, the short story is I met with Alon uh, over coffee one morning for like two hours and told him, what I was going to do, yeah, and if when the, if I was going to get back in the brokerage, how I'd build a company, mm-hmm. the culture, the technology, the things that I thought were important to building it better, okay, and um, then hopped on my mountain bike and yeah. rode home, and <laughs> uh, the next morning I found there's an email that yeah. I got from his personal account that said he had he was quitting his job and starting a new venture with someone. Nice. So I call him up and I said, Alon, what is all, what's <laughs> going on? He goes, I'm in. What do you mean you're in? He goes, I'm in. Yeah. I went home last night, talked to my wife, told her everything we're doing. I'm ready to do it. Let's do this. And I went, hold on, man. I was talking like in a year or two, not today. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. He's yeah. like, he goes, no, no, we got to do this today. And I go, did you quit? He goes, oh, yeah, I quit. 
And I went, oh, man, how, wait, how many? You got a wife? How many kids? He goes, two kids and another one on the way. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, no, no, another one was on the way, yeah. But he's the two kids, and I go, oh, all right, well, you know, we got, all right, fine. We'll yeah, do something. Let's and, do it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much the impetus for it. We kind of put the company together and built okay. the systems we wanted, and it started off with five of us in a room uh-huh. in a small office space down the street, and um, built it, just kept on growing more office space, taking more of the building we're in. Nice. And then we bought this building we're in, which is um, now we're, we're full. But okay. I dare say that after two years of moving in, of being in this building, we might actually outgrow this building. Really? <laughs> which is crazy, but we, yeah. we, um, we're, we're, we're growing. We have, um, we've got new, a bunch of new guys that are joining us and opening nice. offices and other, other places. And I think, I don't think about it like this, but someone told me the other day, one of the guys who worked, uh, Devinder, who's our chief operating officer. Yes. He said, John, you know, between ABI Multifamily, ABI Commercial Capital, um, Neighborhood Ventures was another company I have, and a couple of other things I have that are all within this building, the Gridworks, um, yeah. Workspace, and <clears throat> he goes, he goes, I was doing the math. He goes, you got a, you got almost a hundred people that work for you, and I wow. Oh, <laughs> the weight <laughs> and the gravity of that. I'm like. Oh. So yeah. Anyway, it's 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 been fun, and and um, you know my kids are are inspirational. They're they're yeah. always around the office. They're always doing stuff. Nice. And um, they you know they they laugh at stuff I do. They make fun of me all the time. I mean, Good. It, it, it's a it's a interesting dynamic <laughs> that they they uh, they always laugh. I mean, I was in today again. They very humbled by these things, but I was in the, in the news today twice. Wow. Um, and uh, my kids are laughing like, "Hey, Dad, look at this. You're in the paper again today." And I was like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, it it's it's I don't see myself as that person. No. Yeah. And I don't. I'm not, I certainly don't like the attention. It's not my not my deal. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody knows me here in the office, just to put in perspective, our our company we have glass walls. Yeah. We have uh, standing desks that we my I I've had a standing desks and multiple screens before anybody thought it was even cool. I just had it because it made it was more it was easier to move fast. Definitely. Um, <laughs> we we don't have doors in our offices. Mm-hmm. Uh, the conversations are very open. All of our systems are open. We share everything. Yep. Uh, it's totally contrary to most companies. Yeah. Most companies like this, every broker fights for their own business within the office. Nice. They don't share. They don't yeah. talk to each other. <laughs> They're each other's biggest competitor, even though they work in the same office. Uh-huh. Here it's a total opposite. So very nice. very collaborative. Nice. And I built that because I wanted it. We have amazing back-end systems. Our technology has allowed us to grow really well. And even in the, this whole pandemic and some of the things that are happening, yeah. for us to work remotely and people to work nothing. remotely, yeah. it was, you know, the old thing we missed the most was the synergies we have within the office. Mm-hmm. Because without having, by having glass walls and, and no doors and you're walking around constantly, everybody's toning in on the conversation. So yeah. If we're having a great conversation about an opportunity or something we're trying to put together for a client or fix some problems, yep. other people in the office will jump into the conversation and help add to it or give you suggestions, and it works like that. <clears throat> and we haven't had that as much because of the, the pandemic. We're not here. Now we're okay. starting to filter back in. But that works really well in this office. And my office is probably the smallest of the offices. And, yeah. And you can't tell that it's, you know, my office is no different than anybody else's. I don't have... Mm-hmm. It, and in fact, I even joke and say that if it wasn't for the fact that I have employee files and cab and some file cabinets and a few things that I need, I would be at one of the workstations rather than in an office. Yeah, just 
I, I, I need to have that because I need to have that space sometimes. But Definitely. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing, and it's worked out really well. And awesome. um, again, you know me also around the office. Yeah. Uh, I I wear a pair of uh, I wear sneakers every day. Usually yep. my, my your Adidas there. Adidas superstars and yeah. my I, just because they're comfortable as all heck. Mm-hmm. And I never, as a kid, I could never afford these. By the way, I ah, wore, okay. I always wore the I always wore the sneakers that you bought the laces, and the sneakers came for free. Yep. <laughs> as a kid, and these are the ones I wanted. So I've had I bought a pair of these. Three, four years ago and okay. I wear them every day yeah and shorts t-shirt jeans nice you know nothing that fancy maybe a collared shirt once in a while yeah but the whole culture is totally changed in our office like it, nice. we, we everybody here is here to get things done yeah uh, the fun thing is our clients love it too they come into the office mm-hmm. so here, here's the interesting thing about real estate a lot of guys in this business forever wore suits and ties which yeah. is fine I, uh-huh. I love dressing up when at the right at the opportunities but to show up every day in Phoenix mm-hmm. and sit at a desk and make phone calls and ha- and be out in the field doing inspections on properties in this heat, yeah. wearing a suit and tie and dress shoes, it didn't make any sense. Nice. And it really slowed you down. Mm-hmm. And it, it I, you know, I, I felt like it didn't give me enough room to move. Yeah. And so I, I made a conscious decision. Like I'm, I'm wearing shorts. jeans and a t-shirt or shorts yeah. and that's it. And everybody does in the office are guys who come in in flip-flops. Yeah. And they come in, and they get on the phone, they work. And then our clients come in, mm-hmm. and they know they can come in here wearing their pajamas shorts. Pajamas or shorts, whatever. I don't know about pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> but shorts and T-shirts and yeah. or jeans and be relaxed. And some of our larger institutional clients, they'll come to our office. Uh-huh. They'll fly into town. They're wearing casual clothes. They'll... Say, hey, can we come in your office and sit down in the conference room and use your copy machine and scanner and do cuts the work done? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. They come in here, hang out, get some things done, and then they go, I gotta go back to the hotel. Yeah. Put on my suit because they've got a meeting with two of your competing companies about some properties we're looking at. Ah, okay. And then they go, but I'm gonna be going, I'm gonna be come going back to the airport tomorrow. Can I stop here for a couple hours before I go to the airport nice. and hang out hang out again? I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So here are these guys that show up at our computers, competitors' offices nice. wearing a suit and tie because yeah. they're trying to be presentable. But they choose to be here and they hang out here mm-hmm. and they're sitting here having, you know, they grab a water out of the fridge or a coffee and they're talking to us. And yeah. we, it's a whole different experience. And nice. because of the way we're, we've got a lot of, you know, the co-work space and a lot of open spaces here, yep. it happens all the time. So some of our uh, best clients and, and closest friends in this business are here all the time, just hanging out, and okay. you never would know it. Yeah, but you know, other competitors only know them in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> Big difference. So, yeah, it's a it's a different culture, and we're very you know we're really open with the way things get done. Our employees have a lot of autonomy. Yep, um, we've got some brilliant people that work here too. That makes things a lot easier. Absolutely. Yep. So I have some business questions for you. Sure. How did you go about picking the advisors that you have now? Ooh, well. Here's the other thing I've learned. <clears throat> um, number one, yes. uh, you need to surround yourself with people that you like. Okay. And and what I mean by that are people that support you, that are of good character, okay. that work as hard as you do, okay. that um, that are aligned with you. Because if you don't, it doesn't work. Yes. And and in previous companies, when we grew the company and it was we were on a track to grow the company to sell it, mm-hmm. it was we had people that worked for us that I didn't like. We had, uh, we had, okay. we had like a top producer in, I don't know, make up a market, like, you know, in Oklahoma somewhere. Yeah. <clears throat> that worked 
worked there and was like made us a lot of money. Was a great broker, uh-huh. but he was not a good person. Hmm. And I and I would dread having to even talk to the person at company events. Yeah. And uh, and um, so I made a conscious decision that we're going to surround ourselves with people that are of good character. Yep. That we think are good, hardworking people. Yeah. And they're best at what they do. So whether they're in research or they're in design or they're in uh, project management or whatever nice. they're doing for us here in the office, mm-hmm. they've got to be good at what they do and be good people. Nice. And it <clears throat> makes life so much easier. So um, that's that's one of those things. So even the okay. brokers we bring aboard, there's no in-depth vetting process, but gotcha. every, everybody in the office gets to decide whether that person comes aboard. Oh, I so like that. when okay. we find out that someone else is someone thinking about leaving a company or yeah. someone who's, who wants to come work for us, I make sure I introduce them around the office and I'm very clear with that, with that broker or potential employee and say, mm-hmm. I'm, not the, I'm making a big part of the decision, but all these guys have a vote. Yeah. And if um, there's something that someone's concerned about or something in their reputation or some character flaw that they've heard about, mm-hmm. they voice it. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we talk about it and go, all right, is this something that was that this person exhibits all the time, or is it just you know one rumor you heard? Yeah, but that's how we we, we pick people. Okay. And um, you know my my comment is, I want people of good character. Yeah. And and I even some of the younger guys we've hired that didn't have any experience, I can fix, I can build, I can teach, I can mentor, but I can't fix character. Definitely. So yeah. if I get a guy that's hardworking and a good person and got his head on straight. The rest of it's easy. Bring them in. Yep. But I can't fix that part. Absolutely. Uh, now, do you know your client retention rate? No? Um, well, I could tell you, for example, our employee retention rate. Okay. We, we've, we've lost, actually, we've only, truly only lost a handful of people. We mm-hmm. had one person that just recently uh, was moving back east to, to move closer to family. Yeah. Um, and we, we didn't want to lose her, which she actually tried to figure out how we can have her work remotely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a, one or two brokers that have left, but mostly because they wanted to go in different type, a totally different business. Gotcha. Um, and so we've had, that's, and so that's very unusual. Oh, yeah. Employees, staff, everything else to have so little turnover. As far as client retention, we, you know, we do business with so many different people. Yeah. Um, and they all have phenomenal things to say to us. Yeah. So it's Good. not a matter of, I don't even call it retention. It's just we get to do so much more repeat business with them. Absolutely. And to hear people talk about us mm-hmm. uh, or, I don't know, talk about us with, uh, with other clients. Yeah. It's been very positive. And that's what I love hearing. Okay. Now, how does ABI uh, generate income? Well, we're, we're a broker yes. primarily. So what we do is, if someone owns an apartment building mm-hmm. and they want to sell the building, we're the ones that figure out what the value is. Okay. We market the property. We do the. We handle all the entire sales process. Gotcha. Uh, that's that's a big part of our. That that's what we do. And okay. We get paid a commission just like someone selling a home. Yes. Uh, on the sale of the property. Now, does that commission change depending upon the property? Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, and the other interesting thing is, uh, all my my entire career, people have criticized me, at, not uh, like beat me up on it, criticizing, but going, hey, that guy only sells like, you know, mid-sized apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't always sell, he doesn't sell a ton of the institutional buildings, doesn't sell a ton of, and I just kind of smile and go, you don't get it. Yeah. The, the people that, institutional properties and our clients that are on that place are great people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they sell properties and they're in the business of buying and selling properties. But 
the margins now, the, the commissions are, are nothing. Yeah. They're so small on those deals. Mm-hmm. So we can sell, we sell a $30 million tra- a building. Yeah. And for great clients and everything works out really well, the f- we can make a larger fee selling a $5 million property or a $3 million property yeah. for uh, a smaller owner or syndicator mm-hmm. or, or mom and pop because they need us, they need our expertise, and they are, and they pay us better for that because yeah. we're absolutely involved in the whole process. Absolutely. Versus the sexy 30, 50, 60 million yeah. dollar yeah. building, which is still a lot of fun and we don't, we sell plenty of those. Uh-huh. But the reality is the money's made in the million to like five, the ten million dollar range. Yeah, that everybody thinks isn't that cool and sexy. And I'm like, yeah, but there's so many more buildings. Mm-hmm. They need more help. They pay bigger fees. They're more loyal. Yeah, all the things that I love about about that about our business works to us. So nice. We sell a ton of those buildings, and nice. even some of the small ones, like fourplexes. We've got guys that sell a bunch of those things. Yeah, they're getting paid on a you know they're getting paid a, a bigger fee on some of those things than some of the guys will make selling. A couple million dollar property. <laughs> wow! But it, it, it's not—it's not about the money. It's the fact that you get paid commensurate with your time. Definitely. And um, but it's—it's it's, it's interesting because you know, look, guys, look at Scott. Oh, you don't work on. You know, I've sold plenty of sixty million dollar, eighty million dollar buildings. Yeah. And I and I we and those same some of those same clients also own million dollar properties. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And they yeah. come to work for us. Okay. The main thing we try to do here is we try to work with. A person that we like, uh-huh. also in business. So uh-huh. if it's a client of ours, we like him. We'll do everything we can, and we'll take care of him. If he's selling a fourplex, yeah. If he's selling a thirty million dollar property, we want to work with him. Gotcha. And, and we'll t- we we handle all of it. We handle it well. Nice. Now, what do you do for um, strategy as far as uh, media and promotion goes? Well, that's another problem. I'm I am not a big promoter. Ah, promoter. Okay. I kind of shy. Yeah. From it, but uh, my girlfriend's in PR. Oh, and sweet. she's, you know, she'll look at things, she'll go, why don't, we should, you should promote that. What'd you just do? Yeah. And a couple of, the, of my partners, uh, Alon Schnitzer, for example, he's always more about, look, we just sold that building. We need to promote that. That's a big deal about yeah. what happened and how the transaction worked. Yeah. I'm the first guy to go, well, I, I don't have time for that. I'm, I'm already working on the next two or three things. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 we need to do that. So we didn't do enough of tuning our own horn for a long time. Gotcha. Now we're doing more of it. Okay. Um, and uh, it kind of feeds on itself. And look, this is a this is a world where people tend to get distracted. So if you don't stay in front of people mm-hmm. on a regular basis, if you're not in the press, if you're not in articles, if you're not being relevant, yeah, in many ways, you lose your relevance. Definitely. If you're not relevant, you don't. You're not relevant. Yeah. So we we're doing more and more of that now. Okay. Uh, and it's not shameless self promotion. It's it's real genuine content we're putting together and trying to talk about unique things that are happening. Because mm-hmm. um, it's you know here's a boring part of it. Thirty million dollar building sold in West Phoenix at this price at this cap rate. Yeah. People are like, great. <laughs> <laughs> now the other story is this was a building that was you know in horrible condition. The owners, the guys that sold it, had done a re- big renovation to it. They changed the tenant profile. Yeah. They added a playground. They did all. You know, there's a story there somewhere about something cool that's been happening and mm-hmm. how they changed that that property, which changed the neighborhood and helped being the first. It was like maybe the first property in that area that someone actually put money back into and is now changing the demographics in that area and yeah. getting and, and making it a safer place to live. That's the cool story. Mm-hmm. The other stuff that people normally would have reported, the fact, just the, the the facts and figures. Yeah, that's so boring. Yeah. Absolutely. So we got we've gotten much better at it, and a lot of it's uh, due to the fact that I've got a girlfriend that's really 
you know, understands PR. Yeah. So she reminds me of what's important and what's good content. Okay. I go, oh, okay. Well, I guess we should get that out there. Definitely. Yeah. So how do you identify competitors and how do you go about dealing with that? So <laughs> my whole business partner, my old, the company I was in years ago, told me that um, you know you're in front because the guy, because everybody keeps trying to kick you in the butt. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you know that you're in the front. So I don't, we don't necessarily, then there's another thing, another part of that. When I met Alon and Rue when we were starting this company, mm-hmm. they came to me and said, you know, I had never met them in person mm-hmm. before the time when we sat down and talked about starting a company. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and I said, uh, and they looked at me and they go, you know, you're, you're great at this whole thing. And they, and they would start telling me stories about a client of theirs that they're trying to get a listing from and work with, and I stole it from them. And another guy I stole uh-huh. it from And, I, and I, I remember looking at Alon one day and I, when he's telling me these stories, and I went, Alon, that guy walked into my office unannounced, didn't have a meeting. I sat down for a few minutes and he said, I want you to sell my building for me. I said, all right. And I pulled that up and I printed up a marketing agreement and he signed it and he walked out. That was it. Yeah. And Alon's like, wait, that was the first time you met him? I go, yeah. Mm-hmm. He goes, he goes, John, that guy, I spent six months oh, <laughs> working on him and I, to find out that he just walked in and, and, I, and I would look at it and I went, oh man, I had no idea. Yeah. But the point was, um, I, I just worked hard. Mm-hmm. So when that guy met me, it wasn't that he was shining a lawn. He just said, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Holy cow, I, I want to work with John. And I was very appreciative of it. Yeah. But I hadn't been chasing him because I was so busy working on other things. So when the guy came, when guys like that walked in and said, you're selling 30 to 40, almost 50 buildings a year sometimes. Yeah. You're the guy and you're actually a really good guy and I like you and you've got great systems and you got a, built a great company. Uh-huh. It made it easy. Yeah. Um, so that the, it, it's just a different way of doing business. We I don't look I don't look around me to see what the competitors are doing. Yeah. Other yeah. than I see something cool. Absolutely. If I see someone doing something really cool and innovative, whether it's uh, how they're hiring or how they're marketing a property or other mm-hmm. things. And it doesn't even have to be in our business. It could be or it can be in residential real estate or it can be in car sales. I don't know. If there's something cool, I see that. But I, we don't we don't actually go out and say this. We got to keep an eye on this competitor or that one. Or that. We just keep. Our, our eyes on the you know looking through the windshield Good. and chasing things like that so Good. that that makes things a little easier too because I think once you start comparing yourself yeah, yeah. whether it's personally or company wise to other people um, it it you know it undermines your your joy it undermines your yeah so we I don't do that I just look at I keep looking forward and I try to find good things keep your eyes on the prize yeah now do you know who your most valuable customers are all of them all of them. good <laughs> good good yeah. Uh, and but I'll tell you the ones that are most fun. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, the guys that are newer in this business mm-hmm. that maybe bought one of their first buildings through us. Yeah. And then we're selling that building for them now, and they're buying a little bigger one. Uh, and then a few okay. years buying a bigger one. Yeah. Those are the fun ones. Okay. Because I, I love working with their institutional clients that do this all the time, and they're really good at what they do, and they understand the markets. Yeah. But it's also a lot of fun watching somebody go from a little four-unit building to a twenty-unit building to an eighty-unit building. Nice. What didn't feel so good was yeah. 2008 when those people were calling me up saying, I have this 150 in a building, this other 30 in a building, and they're not making sense, and the bank's going to take it. And I went, oh, that did not feel good. No. But watching those people grow, watching yes. them start from nothing and then coaching them through it and showing them what you do and giving them good advice and steering them the right way and helping them find the right resources, yeah. that's the fun part, and, and just seeing them grow in the business. Yeah. 
Now, how do you go about dealing with uh, legal and taxes? Well, taxes are always there. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you pay your taxes and, yeah. you, and you, keep your, you keep your side of the street clean. That's, Absolutely. That's, uh, that, that is not, there's nothing you mess with there. And as far as legal, we've been really lucky. Um, we haven't had any issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I dare say that, it, I mean, my, I've had threats of lawsuits, and yeah. but <laughs> never really had anything happen, knock on okay. wood. And, and a lot of it's because we really are very communicative, mm-hmm. we're very transparent in everything we do. Um, if there's an issue, we deal with it right away. Okay. Uh, so if something comes up, something happens. We the one here. We had one problem last year. It was the first time it ever happened. Yeah. There was something about a property we sold that the seller hadn't properly disclosed to us. Oh. And and um, we had misrepresented it to the buyer. Oh man. The buyer came to us after the close and said. This is not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Now, the buyer had done all their inspections on the property, yeah. brought engineers. They certainly should have known and, and figured all this stuff out. Yeah. Maybe they did or didn't, but mm-hmm. still the, the point was we didn't, we didn't represent it correctly in our materials, mm-hmm. and the seller was clearly at fault, but the seller is also a good client of ours. Wow, oh, man. So long story short <laughs> is I called up the, buy, the buyer and I said, I'm, first of all, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I said, we... I, I said we didn't know that we didn't know that that wasn't wasn't correct. Yeah, it hadn't been communicated to us. And though I'm, I'm, I'm the seller's partly responsible for this, mm-hmm. the, the blame falls on us. Yeah. So what do we need to do to make this right? And okay. we sat down with him on the phone and worked out what they had to do to fix the problem on the property. Okay. What the costs were, and then we basically figured out what who's responsible for what. And we nice. I was able to get the seller to accept that they were at least one third responsible for it. Good. Good. The the buyer was a one third responsible for it, and mm-hmm. we picked up the other third, and we all wrote, you know, effectively wrote checks. Yeah. Or uh, the the seller and I and us wrote a check. Nice. To cover that, and it worked out worked out fine. But no attorneys, Good. nothing else involved. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have to have any of that. Mm-hmm. It was just let's do it. So if you transparency, communication. Okay. Um, good people figuring things out right away. Yeah. That solves a lot of problems. Now was that your biggest mess up you think so far? Yeah, and it wasn't even it wasn't even it wasn't that costly. It wasn't that big of a check with the right. It was just one of those things where like you know what we gotta ask if, if we see something that didn't seem exactly right. Yeah, you gotta ask questions. But in our fairness to the guys that were involved in that transaction, you had to almost be an electrical engineer to understand really <laughs> what or an electrician okay. to know what they were looking at wasn't what we are saying was there on the gotcha. project. Gotcha. And and and. Our guys are brokers. They're yeah. not engineers. They're not mm-hmm. electricians. They're not plumbers. Um, so, anyway, the, the point was you, you, you get on top of things right away. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we don't have any lawsuits. We've never had any employee issues or um, any other things like that But because we you know, we try to keep things really open and, and, and transparent. So Good that deal. helps a lot. Now, I see you guys are very uh, tech-driven here. Do you know how ABI is leveraging data? Oh, hugely. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm a big data guy. Okay. So we... we we took a big investment chance when we built the company. Yeah, many other companies spend a lot of money on buying data from mm-hmm. like the company I worked for when I first got into business. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they spend a lot of money buying, uh, paying for access to the data systems. Yeah, they spend a lot of money for software as a service, mm-hmm. CRMs, and all kinds of things. Um, I've learned in the years that it's just better better to 
build your own from the ground up, Absolutely. your home brew. Yep. Not, not off everybody, and it's not cheap, mm-hmm. but we knew where we were going and we put the investment into it. So we have built all of our, our back end systems. Yeah. So everything from our CRM to our platforms, how we run the company, to all of our uh, integrated um, operations, everything's all built into one system. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we can do a lot more with a lot less. Uh, to put in perspective, 130 buildings we sold in 2019. Wow. And we have two graphic designers, mm-hmm. two, two research people, yeah. uh, two full-time research people, and three project managers. Wow. As an example. I'll tell you that any other company out there who does even half that amount of business has yeah. got staff double to triple that. So we're, we don't overwork our guys. We yeah. just have good guys, but we have such well-integrated systems uh, data, um, intuitive marketing materials, things that make it so much easier for brokers to do business Okay, that they don't have to work so hard on it. Nice. Yeah, that, that's a big part. I think that's, we, we always joke that we're, a, um, we're more of a technology company in many ways than we are a uh, real estate company. Definitely. You can see that. Definitely. Yeah. Now, um, you're not the sole proprietor in this business, right? No, Alon and Rue are my other partners. And okay. then Eddie and Doug have got uh, our partners also in it. Yes. Yep, and then we're also instituting a pro, uh, <clears throat> we're instituting a well, we were right before this whole pandemic hit. <laughs> now everything's been on pause. Yeah, we were putting together a program where we're going to start giving more um, giving employees and people who know the company good. ownership of, of the company. Good, good. Doesn't you know? I'll also let you in on another secret. Brokerage companies don't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They they do, but. The cost, we put everything back into the company. Definitely, yeah. But there's value that, that's created, and we want people to be rewarded for being a big part of it. Good. So, uh, yeah, we, it, it, I'm, I'm never shy about sharing that stuff, and it's a big. It's important to me to see that people have put their time and life into the, this work. Definitely. Get rewarded and have a piece of it. If we ever do sell, or yeah. if we ever do merge, or we ever do, I don't know, uh, do some sort of a quasi-public offering or yeah. things like that, there, there'll be something there for them. Now, do you have a next strategy, or do you know what's next for ABI? Um, I, you know what? I, I tell people all the time, uh, I'm just getting started. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I like <laughs> that. I'm, I'm, I'm 51 years old, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, probably not in the best shape of my life right now, only because of this whole COVID thing, <laughs> yeah. plus uh, a number of other things going on with my, my teenage kids and just busy with them. Definitely. Uh, but getting hiring more people would make my life easier. But nice. um, as soon as the kids get... More, I got one daughter going to college, another daughter that's two years away from that. Yeah, when they're kind of at, away at college, mm-hmm. I tell people I'm, I can start working. A, uh, I can, I say right now, I'm only working a half a day. Okay, I'm only working 12 hours a day. Yeah, so when kids go to school, I can start working a full day. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I can start working full time. I go from 12 hours a day to 15 or 20. There you go. <laughs> now, it, it's um, I don't have an exit strategy because I really enjoy what I do every day. Good. I look forward to coming in here. I look, look forward to the challenges. Yeah. There's always a new challenge, and that's what's part of being an entrepreneur. Nice. And the guys here are smart. They're intuitive. They're really good at what they do. They've got good. great client relationships. So, you know, we're adding things. We just added a, a debt and equity part of our company. Oh, okay. A company called Tower Capital Tower that Capital. we have a lot of respect for, some great guys. Uh, they just joined us in our company, and now they're uh, going to be integrating more into our company. So we yeah. have now, we're doing loans, we're doing helping people raise equity, we're going to do loan servicing. Um, that's a real big part of the business. Absolutely. <clears throat> and yeah. we're going to start adding those guys and, their, and more p- people that are teams in nice. our offices. Nice. Um, I just hired a full-time uh, re- uh, recruiter business development person. Wow. A uh, sharp guy that um, has done really well for himself and does some cool stuff. Okay. Um, Worked his butt off his whole life, also. Okay. Uh, he's he started with us 
Monday was his first day. Yeah. And um, we're going to start expanding in different markets because nice. we're at the point we can scale. We have everything in place. Yeah. To keep growing. We've got a great office, a great corporate headquarters, nice. and we can keep adding more people uh, in different markets. So we're here. We're in Phoenix, Tucson, Sacramento, and San Diego, and it's we're going gonna to add to those offices and all three of those other other okay. offices, and we're going to start adding to we're look at Denver, Las Vegas, wow. other markets. That creates some synergies from mm -hmm. where we are. Yeah, very nice. So uh, to wrap this thing up, uh, if I was 25 years old, getting out of college and looking to switch careers into real estate, what advice would you give me? Don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. You know, many times I've sat in front of guys and said, you know what? It, it, you look at the payback. Yeah. Again, this is told. You hear me talking about how much I love this. But it's because I love it. Uh -huh. If you were to start off and and at, at early 20s, my all right, my daughter. Mm -hmm. She wants to get in the business. She wants to get in the real estate business, but nice. probably finance and some other things at probably okay. at 10,000 feet, not where I am. But <laughs> I tell her, I said, listen, you get in this business and you're going to work three to five years before you have a sustain, any kind of sustainable income. Uh -huh. And it's your, your eat what you kill. Yep. And if the market change, anything happens, you're back to zero again. Yep. And you look back over 25 or 30 years, and you've done this through every cycle, and maybe there's not a lot there. But if you go to work for Intel or some other company, and you start off as a lower-level employee, yeah, and maybe you jumped around to other companies and then come back, but you've got a 401k, you've got retirement, you've grown up, you, you've grown in the ranks, you now become the management. You, you know, starting off, you're making a great salary. Yeah, you got to, you can do other things on the side, you can invest on the side, but. It, this is a tough slog. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm not trying to tell people not to do it. I'm saying it's not all roses. Yes, yeah. we can. You, you look at guys in our office and you go, well, that guy did really well last year. I go, mm -hmm. yeah, but it took him 10 years to get to this point. Yeah. And if you look at someone who worked at, uh, I'll pick on Intel or any other uh, in, you know, corporate, larger corporate company out there, mm -hmm. look what they made over the 10 years and what they have in savings and what they have, how their life has been. Yeah. They probably had a much easier life. <laughs> they yeah, probably definitely. had a lot more going for them. <laughs> but yeah, I know this year that guy killed it. But it took him ten years to get here. So unless it's really, you, you got to do what you love. Yeah. Bottom line, I tell anybody who wants to work anywhere. I've mentored plenty of friends, and not nice. not just for this business, but in general, mm -hmm. do what you love, okay. and everything else follows. If you if you get up in the morning and you're a farmer and you cannot wait to get that field yeah. plowed or milk those cows or cut or you know your your a tree farmer. You're mm -hmm. out there, you know, you're, you're, you're next, you're, you're planting trees for the next set of, of uh, logging that's going to take place in 20 years. I don't care what it is. If you love what you do, mm -hmm. the money always comes. Nice. It's, it's, you know, it's the guys that I told you about that I watched that hated what they did. Yeah. That were making good incomes but hated their lives and wa walking around like zombies and I went, I'm never going to be that guy. Never, yeah. I'd, ra I'd rather live where, where I want to, where I want to live. Uh -huh. I'm in Arizona. I love, love being here. I'd rather work in what I want to do yep. and <clears throat> be happy rather than having to fight my whole life just because that was a I had to live there for that job. Yeah. Or I had to do that because I had a mortgage. Nice. No. I'd rather just it, it it's simpler. Yeah. <laughs> now when was your aha moment when you're like, okay, I love this. I love being in real estate. This is for me from here on out. Um I'm still waiting for it, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. I, I think the first aha moment was when I got that first check. When I was, uh, I okay. literally had, I mean, I was dazed from 
being like nothing, like, not, right? not like trying to figure out how I was going to keep things together. And there's been plenty of times in my life I've been there. Yeah. But uh, with the ups and downs of this business, but that was a time when I was like, when I was sitting there in my car in the parking lot looking at that eighteen thousand dollar check, going, man, going, you know what? And, and it didn't feel real. <laughs> yeah. But I went to the bank and I put it in there and I put a hold on it. And I had access to a little bit of it. And yep. I mean, I didn't go out and do anything. I think I went out to Denny's that, that night and had like, you know, a hamburger. Yeah. And it was the first time that I went out and actually had food so, somewhere rather yeah. than cooking something at home in my kitchen. Yeah. But the point was, I was like, okay, you know what? If I can do this every few months, I can make a good living for myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I love, and again, I love what I do and I love seeing yeah. people grow in this stuff in this business and I love whether it's employees or staff, <coughs> brokers, um, anybody that's in it, you know, even watching owners yeah. buy a building from us, sit down, explain to what I think I would do the property, help a coach them through it, going back out, looking at the property, giving them more advice and then doing it over again. That, yeah. That's the part that drives me. Nice. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it can't be the money, money, yeah. money, money disappears pretty quickly and that like that burning desire in your stomach to, to write the world or something mm-hmm. that kind of goes away really fast too yeah <laughs> you have you have to love what you're doing yeah okay well john i really appreciate you coming it's been great uh i hope you loved it yeah yeah it's good i, I um thanks for it's been fun talking i'm not usually easily opened up and talking like this but yeah it's friday morning i had a cup of coffee and nice. uh <laughs> Got the whole weekend ahead of us to do nothing with curfew and and, and lockdown. Same, same. I'll be doing the same <laughs> thing, sitting at home. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this is Michael Brewer, and you guys just got the business. Hi, this is John Kubrowski with ABI Multifamily, and you just got the business. business. business.